Welcome to the Smeichel Speaks podcast channel. I'm Joanne Smeichel, and I'm delighted that you tuned in for relevant leadership learning that will help you continue to soar. Enjoy this episode. Dennis Courtney is a husband of 37 years, a dad to three sons, a businessman, a certified yoga instructor, a certified mindfulness meditation teacher, a cyclist, and a person who is devoted to his daily meditation practice. I met him through our shared love of yoga and of life. Welcome to the Smichael Speaks podcast channel. Thank you very much, Joanne. So Dennis, one of my observations of a lot of the leaders that I work with and of their organizations is that people are functioning at a frenetic pace. And sometimes I feel like they're swept up in urgency and busyness and just frankly, just plain craziness. I'd like for us to talk about the basics, the fundamentals of meditation and how meditation can have a positive impact on these individual leaders and potentially on their organizations. So tell me, how'd you get started on your journey to meditation? I got started in yogic meditation about five years ago when I noticed that I gravitated towards the yoga teachers as I was a practitioner who were beyond just the physical who would also do breathing exercises and mental calming exercises to align the mind with the body before beginning the yoga practice. So that was my beginning, um, and it's developed considerably since then. Now, you're a businessman. You're still gainfully and actively employed. How has learning those techniques been useful in that part of your life? As a program manager, a frontline manager with demanding customers and mission-critical systems as a defense contractor, it can become very stressful with our deadlines and the need to help protect and support our customers. And COVID has compounded that situation. People are afraid to come and work. They're concerned of who's catching the disease, uh, who may have passed away, friends and colleagues. So there's a lot of stress, Joanne. Mm -hmm. um, and where it's helped me is to keep things in perspective that this is a job mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it does put you know food on the table and it used to put the shoes on the kids feet so it was very important however the people are much more important and with my meditations i have been able to take deep breaths as things might get hectic, and remember that the people I'm working with are probably more stressed out and more hectic than I am, and I'm there to help them. 
I want to help relieve any of the suffering that they might have. That doesn't mean I'm not going to be assertive when we need to get our deadlines done and communicating the importance. However, that's not what it's all about. And that's not the way it used to be for me, Joanne, quite, mm. quite frankly. Um, you know, climbing the corporate ladder, I look back on those days in my, uh, the middle of my career, and I was basically considering the bottom line and maximizing profit as the number one goal and getting me the next promotion as the number one goal. Stepping on people, using people, in my opinion, when I look back on it now, for that one aim, for that one goal, to just be relentless in the pursuit of going up higher. And I thought at the time, based on my, uh, my graduate studies and perspective at the time, I thought that would be the right path. Mm -hmm. And I look back now and I feel like I'm completely changed and different. Mm-hmm. Because of the meditation experience. Yes. Wow. So tell me this. What exactly is meditation? I know it's not just sitting with your eyes closed and your legs crossed. Exactly what do we mean when we say meditation? Like right now I'm looking at you and you look to be like so chilled out and so calm and like, you know, so are you meditating right now? Yes. Okay. So yes. Explain what it is and how you do it because you're doing it right now. So living the meditation is very important as a practitioner the best we can. So what does that mean? It means beginning to empty oneself meaning the ego, which was not easy, and it continues to not be easy, but chipping away at it a little bit every day, becoming less self-centered. And the less self-centered, the more hollow I become, the more space there is for the divine to come through and to help guide and work through me. So it's a practice of centering oneself and realizing that we are not the personal Dennis, you know, the, the physical fitness, the uh, achievement-orientated, and even the family man, the spouse, my gender, my color, you know, all those things are not as important as realizing the commonality and the shared spark, the divine, the inner divine that we all have. And that in deepening the practice, 
And sometimes it's hours and hours a day. You begin to realize that the divine has many faces and has many expressions and is essentially all names and all forms. And looking at a tree, you might say, oh, look, it's got leaves and branches and fruit, but it's still a tree. It still has the same roots and the same sap that nourish those distinct branches and fruits and leaves. So the source is the same. And as we deepen our practice, there becomes a union with the source. And in the beginning, it was like, yeah, um, I got into it to be, become a better cyclist. Really? Yeah. Oh. I was a competitive cyclist, and a friend of mine was a very, very high-end, national-caliber-ranked cyclist friend, and he was teaching right down on the waterfront in Colombia, and he had a special class, yoga for cyclists, so that we would have you know, better snap in our legs and, and, and better, you know, uh, cardiovascular. So after those workshops, I looked for a place where I could practice on a more regular basis. And that's when I found various yoga teachers and began to gravitate towards the ones with the meditation. Um, so... But these days, the cycling is less important, and just becoming more centered in the walking and living meditation, um, and trying to take what is gained and attained on the pillow or the cushion, and realizing it in day-to-day -day activities. That's kind of like how when we talk about taking the mat in yoga with us into our lives that, you know, you, you don't leave the principles of the mat in the yoga studio. You're supposed to take them into life. Is that very similar? Yes, I would agree with that. And assuming that the principles are being shared on the mat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, what I've discovered is that not all teachers impart those those values or those those ethical or philosophical mm -hmm. aspects. And to me, when I looked at the big picture of yoga, the asanas or the poses was a very, very small part of this ancient tradition. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to explore that more. And the more I did, the more I realized that you know, this isn't just about lowering your blood pressure or making you a little bit calmer. You know, there's physical and mental benefits, of course. But to me, those were just byproducts. Those were just byproducts of answering deeper questions 
mm-hmm. who who we are and why are we here and i figured my family's raised uh i'm an empty nester i've got some time on my hands and it's that time of my overall life cycle to be looking beyond just what's going on right now in the in the in the uh, in the household and things so that's very interesting to me um on a lot of levels but the whole idea of the connection with the divine um is very important to me in my faith walk the other part that is interesting to me is the letting go mm-hmm. the letting go of ego the letting go of the external identity that everyone has, you know, my external identity as a consultant, an author, a speaker, a sister, a volunteer, but letting go of all of that external stuff and focusing inward. I find that very interesting. Very interesting. Yes, the it's the ego will not want to let go easily. Okay, mm-hmm. I, I've walked the ego to the threshold of death. Mm-hmm. And when it looks into that void, into that, that what it believes is emptiness, mm-hmm. I know it's loving awareness. Mm. It's a loving awareness that is, is what makes all one. But the ego doesn't see itself in there. <laughs> okay? Yeah, yeah. The ego, let's say, is like an ice cube in the ocean. Mm-hmm. And it's paddling its butt off <laughs> and swimming every stroke <laughs> to survive to survive and not melt. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, it's and it's I enjoy watching it play its games mm-hmm. and seeing what next it's gonna do to try to keep itself in swimming. Right. To reassert itself. Right, right. Yeah. And eventually it'll be like an Elka-Seltzer tablet in water. Mm-hmm. It's beginning to fizzle out. <laughs> and the being in the water or being melted in the ocean is infinitely more happier and, and joyful than being an ice cube. <laughs> like that. But the ice cube doesn't know it. <laughs> it's fighting it, too. It's fighting it. Are there different types of meditation? Yes, yes. There's. Uh, I spend a lot of time with the Buddhist tradition, the Theravadan uh, Buddhists. So I would highly recommend my friend Bhante Rahula. Bhante is the uh, term of endearment and respect to uh, Buddhist priests, we'll say, uh, monks. Um, And he's over in Gaithersburg at the Lion of Wisdom Retreat Center. And I've spent three out of the last five weekends there since my I've had some more time available to me. I've spent more time uh, enjoying and and practicing, and it's it's just like lifting weights. You stay 
somewhat dedicated and persistent, it's going to pay off. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it isn't like just doing it and then wondering you, if you do it and it happens. Mm -hmm. And, um, so there's that there's, um, you know, there's Zen Buddhism, there's, uh, 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 Avanta, which is a Hindu tradition, uh, which is fantastic. I, I, there's, uh, Ramana Maharshi is, uh, was a, was a fantastic sage and, uh, yogi, uh, who taught the direct path. It's very similar in my mind to, uh, Buddhism, this Theravadan Buddhism. Um, and it's a question of, um, just quieting the mind watching what pops up, thoughts, images, thoughts of the past, thoughts of the future, emotions, worries, concerns, happiness, and being mindful. Vipassana, vipassana is the Pali word for mindfulness. Being mindful of everything that's popping up and not doing anything about them and just just not having an agenda if something pops up generally people will map that against what they think should be popping up or some expectation or critique or judgment you know sometimes it happens every morning at the breakfast table you know, this isn't what I, this isn't the way I left it and things have changed. Why? It's not as good as I usually do it. Um, <laughs> you know, those kind of things and, uh -huh. and, and everybody does it. And um, so, but if you allow just to be aware of what is and try to adapt and be flexible to what is instead of allowing the ego to get in the game, controlling, trying to control, and just letting the flow of life go through each of the six windows, meaning the five senses in the mind, and just watch it. Mm -hmm. So I, I can see some of my um, clients who are listening to this saying, oh, Joanna, you know I don't have time for that. Mm -hmm. And... What do you say to people who will probably text or email me after this podcast and say, sounded great, but you know how busy I am. Sounded great, but when could I possibly fit this into my schedule? What do you say to people who uh, feel like that? The first thing I would say is when you're on an airliner and the masks drop, they tell you to put yours on first, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And if you can't spend 10 or 15 minutes a day practicing, or even let's break it down into a mindful meditation minute, hmm. one minute an hour to get you through the eight to 10 minutes, eight to 10 hour a day, and just stop what you're doing, take one or two very deep breaths, 
Let it out slowly. And just soak in the stillness. And soak in the quiet. And allow your mind to take a rest. So that's what meditation does or is. It's giving the mind an opportunity to rest. Yes, Joanne. It's, it's bringing your mind into the body. It's using or allowing your body to be a tether, to be an anchor for your mind. And I like to think of it as it's a refuge so that the mind can come home in the body. So one of the mindfulness meditation techniques, the Vipassana, starts with focusing on the breath. So you're following the breath all the way in and mindfully following the breath all the way out. And as you begin to bring your attention to the breath and the breathing body and the rising and falling of the torso, your mind begins to let go of the other activities, the other attachments, the other clingings, or the other aversions, the ill will, the things that, e that it either wants or it doesn't want, that it's maybe mad about. But if it's focused on the breath, just for a minute, then those attachments start falling away and you can reset. Mm -hmm. and, and then as your mind begins to relax, it begins to slowly return to its source. From which it came. You know, your focus and attention on the breath reminds me of um, Kate, Kate Anderson, who is just one of my absolute favorite yoga teachers. And in her somatic class, she always says, let's return to the breath. Mm -hmm. Let's return to the breath. And she, she will remind us that you always have the breath. It's a tool that you always have. So what you just said reinforced what she says a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. Kate's a marvelous teacher. And when the mind wanders off, just bring it back to the anchor. Mm -hmm. Which is the breath. Which is the breath. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and so the, the body is in the here and now. We're right here. Mm -hmm. And the breath is in the here and now, right? It's connected to the body. Mm -hmm. The mind goes everywhere. Everywhere. All the time. Past, mm -hmm. future, mm -hmm. jumping back and forth, mm -hmm. whiplashing you. But it always skips over the now because there is nothing for the ego to do in the now. Mm -hmm. So if you return to the now, which is the body and the breath, that's the technique. 
that's one of the best techniques. I like that. So as we close this segment, this episode, what's the one thing you want everyone to remember? Me, the people who are listening to the podcast, what is the one thing you want us to remember? Well, I'd like you to consider a couple of possibilities. One is that people believe we've been trained and grown up, our society, our culture, that consciousness or awareness is inside the body and that we're inside this physical world. And I would offer that perhaps the world and the body are inside of us. So when you say, well, I am limited by this physical body, no. The entire universe is your body. And every dimension and every aspect of it. So we are much more special than what we've been led to believe. I like that. That is in alignment with some of my beliefs as a Christian about the fact that we are spirit beings who are made in the image and the likeness of God. So we have to be special. Um, one of my dear friends back home in Buffalo, Buena, says, God don't make no junk. Yeah. Um, so I love that. I, I like that. I like that. Thank you for coming on the Smichael Speaks podcast channel. I hope that you'll return again so that we can go deeper on this concept of meditation and how it enhances our lives and our just our well bodies and our well-being. So thank you for coming, Dennis. Thank you very much, Joanne. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I hope you got tools that you'll actually use and share. Subscribe if you haven't already. I add new and relevant leadership learning all of the time. If you haven't visited the Smichael Speaks YouTube channel, check it out. There's all sorts of new content. All of this is virtual leadership learning that will help you soar.